The road we're on is paved in Garth. Come along on the journey. As we explore Garthology. Think of it more as a conversation. I like that. So if this is truly a conversation, then I say let the conversation begin. Hi guys, it's Deb. And I'm Pete. And I'm Jess. Welcome to another episode of Garthology. We're back again to dig into the past, present, and future of the number one selling solo artist of all time, Mr. Garth Brooks. For season two, episode seven of Garthology, we're going to review the first five songs on Garth's sixth studio album, In Pieces. In Pieces was released on August 31st, 1993, which was also our friend Katie Wilson's birthday, so shout out to Katie. Happy birthday, Katie! (laughs) (laughs) In Pieces was the last studio album Garth released with Liberty Records. In its first week, In Pieces debuted at the top of the Billboard 200 pop chart, as well as the top of the country album chart, just like the chase before it. Although it took some time because of import protocols, it was eventually issued in Britain in early 1994, where it went to number one on the country charts and reached number two on their pop charts, as well as garnering two top 40 hit singles on the British pop charts. In Anthology Part 1, Trisha describes Garth as a true album maker, and she describes his albums as collections of songs. So let's check out these pieces of Garth on In Pieces. We'll hand it over to Jess to start us off with song number one. Song number one from In Pieces is Standing Outside the Fire. There's this love that is burning deep in my soul Constantly yearning to get out of control Wanting to fly Standing Outside the Fire was written by Garth Brooks and Jenny Yates, and it was the third single from In Pieces, and it was released on December 13th, 1993. We've talked about this song a little bit before, and we've talked about Jenny a little bit before, but we're going to cover some, hopefully some points we haven't mentioned in previous episodes. Jenny co-wrote When You Come Back to Me Again with Garth, and we talked about this on our introduction episode because that was one of my favorites. She also co-wrote The Red Strokes. Garth calls Jenny a workhorse and said she'd send 15 to 20 pages of notes and lyrics via fax for a song. He would send back things he liked, things he loved, and eventually they would come up with a song. For this song specifically, they met for breakfast in LA, and Garth mentioned something that stood outside the fire to him, and they both knew that they had something to work with from that. Garth kept asking for definitions of words, and the word abide really opened the bridge, according to Jenny. I really like that word and I think it was a good choice. It's one of those things that stands out because it's not something you use in conversation. It makes me think of like an abiding love or almost like a biblical kind of word. And 
I think that that word choice is always really important in anything written, but especially in a song where there are fewer words than like a book or a movie, you're, you're telling a story with a much smaller amount of time. And so word choice, I think, becomes super important. And I love that they would look at definitions of words and throw out different things. Trisha says she thinks that this is the song that is the clearest definition of who Garth is. And I, I can definitely see that. If you think of the words of Standing Outside the Fire, it absolutely defines Garth. Garth feels like this song grew with the audience and is bigger now than when it was first released. And I can see that too. If you look at how it's changed over the years and how the audience responds to it at, at a live show, it really has grown. We've talked about this one before, so I'm not going to go too deep into it other than to say what it's about, which is courage and passion at the end of the day to follow your heart wherever it leads despite the risk of getting hurt. The line, life is not tried, it is merely survived if you're standing outside the fire, really does sum up the entire song, the idea of the entire song. I love this one, adore it. I love the way Garth performs it. I love that the music is different. In the anthology, Garth said that when they did the treatment for the song, some people reviewed it as as being African mamba sound, which really <laughs> made me laugh because that's not what I would call it. But I do get once he said that, I, I kind of can hear what they were talking about. I know we've all loved on this song a lot, but do you guys have anything specific you want to touch on about it while we're discussing the album? Yeah, you know, my thoughts on Standing Outside the Fire are just what I mentioned in the inspirational episode that we did. I root for the young man in the music video so damn much. I pull so hard for him from beginning to end. Uh, again, just like what you said, I love the song's message to just be you. Stand outside that comfort zone, outside the fire. Give new things a try, even if they're going to scare you a little bit. I think that if more of us did that more often, we would find that there's a little bit more courage in each of us than what we really know exists. Deb, you mentioned before, you know, about standing outside the fire when we talked about it in that episode, you know, with the podcast and stuff. And that was a great point. It's actually something that stuck with me quite a bit since we did that episode. You know, this is all new to all of us. And look at us, you know, look at us go now. And I think that that's uh, that shows in this song that, you know, if there's a little something in there that's not that's not normal or doesn't make you feel comfortable, give it a shot. I think you you know pleasantly surprise yourself. I love the the meaning of the song and the message behind it. I do. Deb. Do you get any new thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, like we talked about in that episode, I love this song. I think the message is great. I think the music is perfect. And in all honesty, I think Garth's recording of this song for this record, it's good, but it doesn't even compare to seeing Garth sing this song live and in concert. Like it now when I listen to this song on the record, I'm not as impressed mm -hmm. because seeing him do it live, seeing Garth sing standing outside the fire live, it's absolutely magical. Yeah. Like he just, he brings it alive. It's vibrant and he's so present in it. And he just owns the audience from the beginning of the song until the end. So the record, listening to it on the record now, it kind of pales for me. It just is not as vibrant and alive to me as seeing Garth do it live. If you think about that also, right, he's got 20, 30,000 of us Garthologists behind him, like helping him push that song, like bring that song, you know, even to more life than it is in a recording studio. Yeah, it's true. I mean, we're helping him along. 
And the thing is, like, I like the song, but I'm even more touched by what Trisha said in the anthology, which Jess touched on also, that what made Garth different as an artist was his ability and his desire to evolve and take chances and take some risks, which I think this song is the perfect example of that. And I also love, like Jess said, that she says this is the one song that's the clearest description of who Garth is as a person. So I've spoken about this like we talked about in a previous episode because it's one of my all-time favorite Garth songs. But I'm even more thrilled that someone who knows him so well, like Trisha, verifies to us and to me personally that Garth deserves all of this love that we all feel for him because this is who he is as a person. So that just, to me, makes this song even more important to me than it was going into, like, when we talked about it previously. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that, you know, we have talked about it in the past and we're always like, well, we've talked about this one before, but we're going to say this about it this time, and but we always have more to say because always have true. more to say about this song. Yeah, I mean, it's so good. It's such an amazing song. There's always more to discover about it and more to talk about. But that being said, we have an entire album or at least the first half of an album to get through on this episode. So I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to Pete for song number two. Yep, I got the second song off the album, and it is The Night I Called the Old Man Out. But I just would not let it go Years of my frustration Had led me to this night Now he'll pay for all the times That he's been around He said, son, it's gonna hurt me More than it hurts you But somehow I couldn't help But have my death Cause I'd seen my older brother Crawl back in the house Each time they call me open The Night I Called the Old Man Out was written by Pat Algar, Garth Brooks, and Kim Williams. We have talked in detail about Pat and, of course, Garth, but just some info on Kim Williams. Kim was an American songwriter who wrote for Randy Travis, Joe Diffie, Reba McIntyre, Garth Brooks, and many others. Williams was named ASCAP Country Songwriter of the Year in 1994, won the Country Music Association Song of the Year Award for Three Wooden Crosses, great song, in 2003, and was inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame in 2012. The Night I Called the Old Man Out was never released as a single, and I could not find anywhere where it had peaked on any charts. Now, as far as the lyrics and the song go, this takes me right back to many times as a youth when I thought that I knew better than my old man. As many times as I wanted to be right, over time I found out most of those times I was wrong. I remember we would argue, argue over me trying to prove him wrong. We would argue over him telling me what he knew was better for me. And no matter how hard I tried to prove that he was wrong, he always ended up being right. I wanted to review this song so bad. In the Netflix documentary, The Road I'm On, Garth mentions this song and his dad, and he got very emotional about it. And after that, I actually went back and listened to this song a couple times. And I was like, whoa, you know, that's a great song. And Garth mentions it in there that there was times 
where, you know, he and his dad didn't necessarily see eye to eye. And that was the song really touched Garth in that in that documentary. But yeah, every time that I hear it, it, it takes me right back to my childhood. Uh, part of the song and the lyrics where Garth sings fist to fist and eye to eye, standing toe to toe. He would have let me walk away, but I just would not let it go. Years of my frustration had led me to this night. Now he'll pay for all the times that he's been right. Those lyrics, they just get me in my bones. And then the lyrics, because I'd seen my older brothers crawl back in the house each time they called the old man out. Before the documentary, I would listen to the song and it was just a lyric. Then I listened to the song after the documentary and I put a story to those lyrics. You know, it's saying that he watched his older brothers go outside against the old man and then they would come crawling back in the house. And I always figured out whatever they get into argument, they leave, they come back. It's not. Yeah, whoop their butt. They'd have to crawl back in that house. (laughs) I absolutely love those lyrics. If it doesn't paint a picture, I don't know what does. The song of a son, like I said, who just builds up years of frustration, finally goes after it with his old man. Old man, you know, is always right. So if there's any lesson in this, kids, if you're listening, listen to your old man. Usually he's pretty right. He's been through the experiences for sure. Deb, I think we got a good one here. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think this is a great song. And one of the things I like the most about Garth is how he brings so much of himself to each of his songs. And I think this song is the perfect example of that. In this song, he reveals so much about his life and how he grew up. And he's not doing it in a bad way or a derogatory way. He just lets us in to help us understand him better. And each time I've heard him talk about this song or read what he says about this song, I'm always impressed at the way he describes his dad and how he related to his children. Again, he's not being hard or resentful of the way that he was raised. He just explains the way his dad helped them grow up and how he went about teaching them lessons. It's heartfelt and it's true. And I think Garth really opens himself up to show us so that we get this little peek into his life. And I appreciate his willingness to show us inside what he experiences. And as for the song, I think Garth brings the right amount of strength to his vocals. I think the music is spot on, it's kind of gritty. It fits the story of the song perfectly. I like when it slows down a little and he says it was over in a minute. It's a defiant song where the sun is standing up, but the sun is also learning a lesson. So to me, that's just, that's good stuff. What'd you think, Jess? I didn't really ever listen to this song that much, but growing up in the South slash Midwest, I'm Obviously, I we've talked about I live in Oklahoma, which is right in the middle. I can definitely picture this story playing out. <laughs> I know lots of fathers and sons and budding heads is one of those things I think most families deal with at some point. The line, son, it's going to hurt me more than it hurts you. I think this line is so true for any parent and probably any form of discipline that hurts your child, because sometimes even just an emotional lesson that they need to learn can be devastating to watch even from the outside, like anyone who's just ever watched a kid be hurt by something that you know they have to just learn it and that's the only way they're going to learn it, that's hard as the responsible adult to just watch them go through that. 
And then the line, the blood came from my mouth and nose, but the tears came from his eyes. Wow. What a line. I mean, what a powerful way to basically sum up that whole song. And I think this is definitely kind of a guy song because it just isn't how girls tend to stand up to their mother. It's not usually physical like it might be with a teenage boy full of testosterone, but I definitely understand the story and I agree. I think it's awesome that we get this insight into not only just a a boy growing up and how he related to his dad and how he learned those lessons, but Garth specifically. And he's talked about how he likes to personally relate to his music. And so I think that that's really cool that we get to see that part of it. And I think the story is great and the song is great. Yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I, lo- I love it. All right. So that's going to do it for song number two. Deb, let's go to you for the third song. Song number three is American Honky Tonk Bar Association. Since the hard hat gun rack, aching back, overtaxed, flag waving, fun loving crowd. Their heart is in music, and they love to play it aloud. There's no forms or no applications, there's no red tape administrations. It's the American Honky Tonk Bar Association. American Honky Tonk Bar Association was written by Brian Kennedy and Jim Rushing and released as the second single from In Pieces. The song reached number one on the Billboard Heart Country Singles and Tracks chart. There's a great video on YouTube of Garth singing this on the 1993 CMAs, so I'll post a link to that on our website. I love that the set for that recording included a great big, like, constitution scroll thing hanging down that had honky tonk bar association on the top and it had an eagle like this big huge eagle holding a beer (laughs) it's awesome so you you'll love it i'll post that video but the weirdest thing about that video besides those things is that garth is performing this song in a tux and not wearing a cowboy hat Whoa. Wow. So that blew me away. I was like, I can't even. The eagle, the beer, the scroll, Garth, tux, (laughs) no hat. It was too much. So much happening. (laughs) Yeah, it's a lot. So the song itself, it's a great country dance song. I instantly start moving when this song comes on. It's got a little bit of an old country swing in it. And the music's fun. I like that. The songwriters tap right into working class people with this song. Those hard hat, gun rack, aching back, overtaxed, flag waving, fun loving crowd whose heart is in the music and who love to play it loud. I mean, those lyrics are great. I love that. So I will admit, I don't care for the welfare line. I could do without that lyric, but I think the rest of them are true and definitely represent an accurate point of view that still exists today. I think the best lyrics in it remind us all that we're one big family and we need to reach for those who are down and help them back up. Yeah. Jess, what did you think? I think this is such a fun song. I mean, who doesn't love a good honky tonk every now and then? Some just good live music and friends. This song's just a good time and it makes you want to go hang out with your friends and have a beer and just, you know, sit and laugh. And 
have a good time listening to some music. And the sound, it it sounds like something that should be playing at a honky tonk. So like that's what the song is about, but it sounds very appropriate for that environment also. And it likens the local honky tonk to a support group for the average blue collar workers, which I think is funny. And I love the play on bar association, like the legal system has the American Bar Association. Yeah. Again, just like a clever and that it has its own acronym when they say the AHBA. I don't know why that always made me laugh, but it does because it's like it was funny enough that it was even the American Honky Tonk Bar Association. But then <laughs> when they shortened it, it just somehow made it amusing to me. There's some great piano moments in this song. And I just it's when I turn the volume up every time it comes on and just kind of have a good time with it. And yeah. What about you, Pete? Yeah, I love the AHBA and how it just makes things great for the American person, how it compares everyday life to everyday people in, in, in a song itself. Uh, the tempo's upbeat. It's fun. It's just all around a great song. I know that at the live shows, it's one of those songs that gets everybody back into the show. Like if, you know, it kind of. It seems to always be placed at an area, you know, in different shows. Sometimes it's not always, you know, it might be on, on, on house cleaning or it might come in the middle of the show. But it's just one of those ones that gets everybody back on their feet. I do know for one that when it's time to scream association, whether I'm yeah. in my truck or at a live show, I could be by myself. It's a word that I scream the loudest. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. And uh, it is. It's just. Like Jess was saying, you know, as far as the acronym and, and the way that they did it, there's a lot of fun in the song. And the lyrics and the meaning behind the song, I, I think, is great. You know, Aunt Deb, the welfare part, it's funny. When I listened to it and did the research, that kept grabbing me. And then I was like, man, what is, it? you know? But then if you listen to the follow up to it, I don't know, like maybe we could have done without it or whatever. But like in the beginning, I, you're right. I was like, well, that's weird. But, you know, I got past it. So yeah, I love it. It's a fun song. And it is one of those ones, you know, if uh, if the volume is on 15, you always turn it up to 20. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It is a fun song. Hey, guys, it's Deb. Don't you agree that music allows us to feel nearly or possibly all emotions that we experience in our lives? Wouldn't it be great to go a step farther and dive even deeper into more music? That's where Bach to Rock comes in. The podcast that explores all musical topics, concepts, and history with a comedic twist. Connect with hosts Kayla and JB as they explore everything from Bach to rock, literally. From the music business to wild conspiracy theories, Bach to Rock is the number one podcast that explores all genres and the buzz in music. Episodes are released bi-weekly with mini-episodes and extra content posted on all social media platforms. They can be found at at Bach to Rock Pod, currently available wherever you get your podcasts. Go check them out, and don't forget to tell them that we at Garthology sent you. Now let's go over to Jess for song number four. Song number four is One Night a Day. To get through one night a Stay up with a late, late show 
Just another way I know To get through one night a day One Night a Day was written by Gary Burr and Pete Wassner, and it was not a single. Gary's written for a wide range of artists like the Oak Ridge Boys, Reba McIntyre, Faith Hill, as well as Leonard Skinner, Ringo Starr, Carol King, and Kelly Clarkson. And if that's not an interesting range, I don't know what is. Well, The song I know best by him is That's My Job by Conway Twitty. Do you guys know that song? I don't. I don't. I know Conway Twitty, but I don't know that song. It's a great song, If and anybody who knows Old Country will know that song, but you should look it up and listen to it. Amazing song. What was the name of it again? That's My Job. It's about a dad singing to his son, saying, that's my job. You'll, you'll understand when you listen to it. It's really good. I'm in. So, talented songwriter. And then Pete Wasner wrote, Don't Let Your Love Start Slipping Away, and Whenever You Come Around, both by Vince Gill. And he also wrote for How Ketchum. But the song I know best by him is Garth and Trisha's duet, Wild as the Wind which he co-wrote with another songwriter, Charles John Quarto. So phenomenal song, phenomenal writer. So together, these guys penned One Night a Day. This song is about killing time when you're separated from the one you really want to be with. What I knew about this song is it's the one where Garth played the saxophone and pretty much stopped and started there because I could not get past that. (laughs) Holy (laughs) Hannah, y'all. I know I've told you how I feel about the saxophone. I don't think there's a sexier instrument out there. Garth called this song Sex on a Record, and I'm just going to leave that right there. (laughs) Garth did not play sax on the album, and according to him, he didn't play it well live. But as a fan, that was such a cool thing to see him try. And I still smile when I see a picture of him with that sax, even all these years later. That was just such a cool moment that stands out to me. And I will say there were a couple of nice moments on the keys in this song as well. I think it's actually an organ. But it had a great sound, and I really enjoyed that. Overall, though, as great as the lyrics are, this song could honestly just be an instrumental as far as I'm concerned. And I'm not even kidding. Like, I could have just listened to the music and totally enjoyed that by itself. But what do you guys think of this one? Yeah, so I wish that I could show you guys my notes because first thing I want to think of when I think about One Night a Day is I cannot get past the saxophone. (laughs) (laughs) It just... I mean, that sax, holy moly. Uh, As far as the song and the lyrics go, the song does make me so, so sad listening to it. But I do love how Garth just slows it all down. Uh, The ballad that he does with this one, his voice, the sax, the piano, it really does just make the song perfect. I can just imagine like Garth sitting in a chair in an empty room singing this song, telling the story. And uh, in part of the song, he says, I'm calling every friend I've had, waking them up and making them mad, letting them know that I'm okay." And I'm thinking to myself, you know, Garth, hey, listen, you want to give me a call? That's fine. You can. I promise I won't get mad. I did know the song. I had heard it plenty of times before, but I have to admit it's not one that's on the playlist. But listening to it and again on my notes, it's a great storytelling song, but the background instruments make this song. It's on my notes. And Jess, you said the same thing. Like, yeah, they really do make the song. I, again, listening to it now, I don't see myself adding it to the playlist, but it's not a song that I would skip if it comes on in random. You know, it's not one that I would that I would just dump on. But yeah, the sax and the instruments in this one. What a song. Deb, what are your thoughts on it? So just like you guys, my main focus in this is the piano and the saxophone. Like they are so good in this song. I think it's more of a jazzy sound than what we're used to for Garth. Mm -hmm. 
it's a sad song about lost love and someone who's just trying to cope with that loss. And that sax weaving in and out of Garth's vocals is oh so sweet. I just love it. Like I melt. I just like you, Jess, I love a saxophone. And I've seen pictures of Garth playing the saxophone for that tour. And oh my gosh, I just, ah, Trish is a lucky, lucky girl. (laughs) I fanboy over Garth, but I don't know about this saxophone. I've had enough of that talk. Oh, I love the saxophone. (laughs) If I wasn't married, I'd literally walk around the neighborhood with a saxophone. The way you guys are talking. It would work, promise. For real. Holy moly. And I, the other thing I want to comment on is that instrumental section, the outro that focuses on the, I thought it was a piano, but maybe it's an organ and the saxophone that lasts for like a minute and 18 seconds at the end, because it starts at the 248 mark and it goes all the way to the end of the song. I love that section. So like you said, Jess, that could just be an instrumental. Totally. Like it's just, it's meltworthy. I love it. I agree. Well, musically, it is hard to follow up from that, but we are going to pass it over to Pete anyway for song number five. I have song five off the record and it's kicking and screaming. Yeah, kicking and a screaming, baby. Right to the bitter end. Kicking and Screaming was written by our man, Tony Arata. I really think that we just need to have an autofill write-up on Tony for all the times that we mention him in our episodes. Like, (laughs) it should just be insert here. We could, like, record it, insert, drop, done. Yes. Kicking and Screaming was never released as a single and never reached any Billboard charts numbers from what I could find. To be honest, it was really hard for me to find any info on this song, and that is very unfortunate because it's not a song that I was or I'm very familiar with. I wish I would have found more to learn more about it. I listened to the lyrics and the song and what I got from it wasn't a whole heck of a lot. I could not get into it. I really struggled to find the story in the song and its meaning. From what I got, I got the reference to the kicking and screaming when we came in, obviously was during birth. And then the different stories that was told, you know, it was kicking and screaming whenever they were leaving that situation. But like during the rest of the song, I was lost, like really, really lost. And I tried. I tried to listen to this song a bunch to figure it out, and I I couldn't. I did find the tune and the tempo very catchy, but the story lost me big time. That's really all I got for this one. Deb, I'm hoping you have something that might help me understand it a little bit more. But yeah, Pete, I think you got the story right. You know, it's basically someone who comes into the world kicking and screaming, and they go out of the world kicking and screaming. Like kind of saying we all do that. Like when you're born, you're kicking and screaming, and we should all fight going out too. That's kind of how I see the theme of the music. This is definitely like an old country sounding song to me. And so I feel like it kind of fit that slot for Garth. 
I think it fits that section or, you know, him always filling those spots. I think it fills that spot perfectly. It's got a little bit of the gritty and it's got some of that nasty Garth sound, which y'all know I like a lot, especially at the 147 mark where he gets gravelly and says, no, I didn't want to do it. Although I like most of Garth's vocals in this song, there are some weird vocal emphasis that he does throughout it that are not my favorite. Like he emphasizes baby and right to the bitter end, and the emphasis somehow seems off to me. Garth's vocals, i it's odd. Some of them are very strange to me. I like the music. I think it's cool. But I will say of the songs we're covering tonight, it's probably my least favorite. Yeah. Jess, what did you think? Yeah, I I agree. It it has a very southern kind of bluesy sound and I do like that sound. That's fun. I like the lyric that says come in yell and giddy up and go out holler and woe. That actually made me think of going to a Garth show. <laughs> like everybody goes in like, yeah, giddy up, you know, and then when it's done you're like, whoa, you know, when it's over. And so that 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 specific part reminded me of that. That's, That's what I'm taking perfect. from the song. It makes perfect sense now, Jess. Yeah, that does. (laughs) Absolutely. That one line, that one line made total sense. Yeah. This is another one, though, where I actually enjoyed the music as much or more than the lyrics. Like, the lyrics didn't really speak to me. Like, I follow them okay, but I I did enjoy the music. I like the sound of it. And it's one that definitely there's more sound than substance there for me as far as what I appreciate. But it's still fun, though. And I think it did kind of fit the bridge for the middle of the album. Like, I think there were a lot of really amazing songs in the beginning and the end of this album, and it was just kind of a little fun thing, kind of short to put in the middle. So I do think that it worked for the spot that it was in, but again, probably not one that's going to go on my playlist anytime soon. Yeah, I think you described it perfectly. It's a good, like you said, it's a good bridge. I think that's a great way to look at it. You know, maybe what I need to do with this one is instead of just focusing on this song, Kind of listen to songs one, two, three, four, five, and then six, seven, eight, nine, ten, like kind of in a row and see. You know, there's a lot of times like Aunt Deb where you talked about, uh, you know, Garth and his, like his voice or the way that he sings it. And in a lot of other songs, even if they're not a favorite song of mine, I understand the story. So the way that he sings it may make a little bit more sense for me to be able to figure out the story. I just, I couldn't do it on this one. So sorry, Garth. We'll talk about (laughs) this one later. I think there's something to be said for that, though, because you were talking about just like sitting and listening to the album in order. And I think I remember doing that much more as a kid. And some of that, I think, is an age thing. But some of it, I think, is just the way we get music now. And I know Garth is very big on the album as a whole. Sure. But do you remember listening to your favorite albums and like years from now, like I'll still hear a song on the radio that's a single and in my head, I'll know the song that's coming next or that should come next on the album. Like I hear the intro to the next song and it's kind of jarring when that song doesn't start. So I feel like I don't really listen to albums much like that anymore, but I feel like probably as part of this research, I should do that more. And just because usually when I sit down and, and listen to the research, I kind of write up what I'm doing on one song. And so I am listening to them in order, but I'm kind of taking breaks in between. And I wonder if maybe going in, I should just sit and listen to the whole album first or else, or do that at the end, like do all my research and then listen to it as a whole one time all the way through, because I haven't really been doing that, but maybe I should. Well, and we know from a lot of the research we've done that Garth puts these albums together 
as a full and complete album. Yeah. So you're right. I think maybe looking at it from that perspective is what we need to keep in mind. Yeah. Yeah, because that's one thing about Garth that I've learned, and like you just said, is there's a reason for every song in every slot on every record that he does. He doesn't just say, okay, here's 10 songs, throw them out there. There's a reason why song number one is one and 10 is 10. Yeah. That's a... might not be a bad idea. I'll give it another shot. I, I definitely, it's Garth. It in my mind, every song deserves a second, third, four hundred thousand chance. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Even the ones that are not like my favorite, I there's not any of the songs that I've been like, oh god, I'll just get past that one. Yeah, I, I might not understand it, but I'll tell you, like not understanding it draws me to want to listen to it more. Like it, it keeps me there. Right. Yeah. I think just listen to it again. All right. Well, that was some good discussion. So that's going to wrap up our review of the first five songs from Garth's sixth studio album, In Pieces. So now we'll go on to breaking news. Breaking news. Some of you out there may have been part of the old Planet Garth Forum website, a place for Garth fans to meet up and chat. If so, listen up. As you are probably aware, Planet Garth has been down for some time, unfortunately. Well, Garth Medic has created a new forum for Garth fans to use until or if Planet Garth comes back. So, if you're interested in signing up, Garth Cop from Planet Garth is taking names. All you have to do is send an email to garthcop at gmail.com and let him know what username you would like to have and what your email address is. The user GarthMedic will then send you an email back with a link to the forum site. Feel free to contact us if you have any questions, and we'll pass them along. So, have you checked out our website at garthology.com yet? If not, stop by and leave a comment on our blog page to let us know how we're doing. Plus, you can submit a show idea on the show idea page. And while you're there, go ahead and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the website. And remember to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platform of choice. Do you listen on Apple Podcasts? If so, stop by there now and give us a rating and write up a quick review to let us know how we're doing and to encourage others to listen. Plus, are you in a Garth Brooks fan page on Facebook? If so, don't forget to share us with your group by posting about us or sharing one of our posts there. Help your friends in low places become Garthologists too. Yeah, and speaking of friends in low places, if you're on social media, you can always find us at our social pages. If you're on Facebook, we are at facebook.com backslash Garthologycast. If you're on Instagram and Twitter, you can find us at Garthologycast. While you're there, we love the interaction. We love the likes. We love the retweets. And we love the shares. If you guys can continue to do that, we would greatly appreciate it. And if you are there and it's easier and you have any questions for us, feel free to direct message us. All three of us are always there and ready to answer. We appreciate the support, guys. And don't miss our next episode of Garthology, where we'll be discussing part two of In Pieces. This will include tracks six through 10, which are Ain't Going Down Till the Sun Comes Up, The Red Strokes, Colin Baton Rouge, The Night Will Only Know, and The Cowboy Song. This will be Season 2, Episode 8, and will be available on your podcast platform of choice starting March 17th. Until then, 
This has been Season 2, Episode 7 of Garthology, and I'm Deb. I'm Pete. And I'm Jess, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. In its first week, hold on a second, my dog's vomiting. Oh. <laughs> Talk about an ending. I, I think like, he was <laughs> just choking on something, but he was like. <laughs> oh. I'm surprised like you were so calm about that. I'd have been like, yo, not there. <laughs> have you ever seen the thing that's like nothing will get you out of bed faster in the middle of the night than the sound of your dog vomiting? <laughs> yeah, have you seen that? <laughs> You're like, no. That is so true. Get your ball and go play. Now he's playing with his ball, so he's perfectly fine. Oh, he's going to be throwing this around. You guys can't see him, but you can't make noises, buddy. I'm talking. He's like Liberty Records. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to learn to fake it, though, because my dogs do the fake cough where they're like, (laughs) and I'm like, are you okay? (laughs) It's like the fake toddler cough. He's playing a lot now. Yeah, I could hear him now. You have to stop, bud. You have to stop. No, you have to stop. You have to stop. (laughs) He's just not going (laughs) to. Those hard hat, gun rack, aching back, overtax, flag waving, flint. No, see, I had it. You had it. That was good. I did. That was real good.